The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. The world on edge this morning is Vladimir Putin ordering troops into eastern Ukraine, a mounting chorus of world leaders condemning the move. We are live on the ground in Ukraine with the very latest on this rapidly evolving situation. The Biden administration racing to assure European allies following Moscow's move and imposing new sanctions. We go to Washington with what, if any, options remain at the White House. And the U.S. and global markets facing steep selling on these latest developments, while oil and gas surge on the tensions. We are all over this developing story, the impact it will have on the markets, your money, and the global economy. It is all happening on this Tuesday, February 22nd, as Worldwide Exchange begins right now. Well, good morning and welcome to Worldwide Exchange, everybody. I am Brian Sullivan. Good Tuesday morning. It is a very, very busy news day with Ukraine and Russia dominating the headlines and global markets are reacting to the news. A UK minister calling the move into Ukraine a, quote, invasion. We will wait for U.S. government reaction. Markets, though, they are not waiting. They are on the move. Stock futures, they are down. Dow futures off 1%. NASDAQ futures off nearly 2 And keep in mind, that we are coming into this week already on net weakness in most stocks. So the trend has already been to the downside. This is causing a flight to safety, and bond buyers are coming in strong. Ten-year yields are going down. As prices move up, the ten-year yield back below 1.9%. This is also causing another pop in oil and gas. Oil and natural gas are both on the move. In fact, oil is up four and a half bucks right now. To more than $95 a barrel at $95.41. Natural gas up more than two and a half. And Brent crude in Europe is now above $98 a barrel. Also moving higher, the so-called fear gauge. The volatility index, the VIX, it is back above 30. All this hour, we are all over this major developing story and its impact on your money, the markets, and the global economy. So let us jump right in now. And go around the world because we are seeing plenty of selling overnight in Asia. The Hang Seng leading the losses. It fell more than two and a half percent. Chinese technology stocks listed there getting crushed. This follows not only what's going on around the world, but a report that Chinese authorities told banks and state-owned firms to report exposure to Alibaba's Ant Group. Kind of an ominous sign there. And again, Europe also seeing plenty of red in the early trade. Rosanna Lockwood is in our London newsroom, and she's got more on some of the big moves we are seeing in Europe. Rosanna. Yeah, Brian, inheriting that very heavy lead from Asia and then making it our own really here in Europe, because, of course, Europe sits on the front lines of this crisis. You're seeing the FTSE 100 here in London down by around a half a percent. We did have Johnson's comments this morning you've run through, but really take a look at the continent. Cat Cajons are down around a percent in France. The DAX has been the laggard for the session. This is because of many German companies' exposure to Russian natural gas. Now, you're seeing that down by 1.3 percent or so. Broadly, the stock 600 has touched one. 
1.9 negative this morning. It then kind of climbed back up to around a percent down throughout the early session so far. But let's take a look at some of the sectors and how they're shaping up because no big surprises here. Oil and gas, really the only sector outperforming up just about 1.5% on those popping oil prices. Autos, though, that's up by three-tenths. Worth noting that Volkswagen has been climbing steadily this morning on reports that it might be looking at this IPO of luxury car maker Porsche. So keep your eye on that. Meantime, you're basically seeing a lot of red across the board matching this risk-off sentiment. Now, we do want to give you a little look at the Moex as well, which isn't an index we look at regularly, of course, because it mostly we're focused on those main continental European stocks. But what is happening here in Russia? You're seeing it off by about 5% in the red so far this morning. No big surprises there. We saw a large move in the ruble as well whilst Putin was speaking yesterday evening. Brian. Rosanna Lockwood in London. Rosanna, thank you very much. All right, let's now get a truly global macro take on this situation, also inflation and everything else that is happening in the world right now. We are pleased to be joined from London by Hendrik Dutoy. He is CEO of money management firm 91. They are a global asset manager in equities, fixed income and other investments. Uh, Hendrik, it's great to get your truly global view on this. How are you and your firm reacting to this news? Good morning, Brian. Uh, you know, this is a one of the kind of uh, moments that active managers look forward to because you can reposition portfolios, you can assume risk at better prices, but this is far from over. Uh, the Russian uh, or the incursion into Ukraine is the beginning of a uh, game that is being played between major powers around uh, security. And we don't expect this to be over within a week or two. And, of course, the impact on commodity markets, the impact on supply chains, uh, very important. But it's not the most important moment in markets. I mean, I would say the inflation story that's unfolding, the interest rate story, will, if we, if we look a decade from now, if we look back, will dominate uh, much more and will have much more influence on, on what has happened to the to investor outcomes. And I also think the Chinese technology story that emerged this morning is equally important. But clearly, uh, politics dominate the headlines for now and markets. Yeah, for now. And you are J.P. Morgan Chase. Uh, Hendrick would agree with you saying this morning in a new note that basically a Fed policy error and inflation and monetary policy tightening are a bigger story for the equity markets than indeed this Russia news, however global it is. Do you think that either uh, the global equity markets at least are overreacting a bit, hitting sell now, we'll think about this later, or is this really just kind of another punch in the gut on what has already been, to your point, macro worries about inflation? I, I think uh, when markets move like this, it's always because uh, risk has been building up in the system. There is substantial risk. And I think uh, the de-risking move is, is, is uh, telling us that people were nervous ahead of time. But we shouldn't ignore the opportunities. I mean, if you look at the strength in commodity currencies, uh, if you look at the benefit that is going to flow through to other, not Russia, other commodity producers, if you look at the uh, uh, buying opportunities or investment opportunities that will emerge in the mispricings that will follow, I think one, one must stay very calm and, 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 and not go into overall panic. The risk is always that the headlines drive 
investors, particularly retail investors, into panic, which they then regret. I just remind everyone what happened when COVID, uh, the COVID outbreak happened in early 2020 and what markets did subsequently. That is an excellent point now. And we've got to remind ourselves also that markets tend to go up over time and that if you sell into the panic, it is much more difficult to make that back. I look back at the the incursion, invasion, annexation, Hendrick, whatever you want to call it, of Crimea in 2014. This is not Vladimir Putin's first effort to take back parts of Ukraine. We saw markets sell off a bit when that occurred back in 2014, only to rally strong for the rest of the year. And indeed, basically since then, could you foresee, assuming no inflation or global central bank led slowdown in the economy, just Russia, could you foresee a similar situation where markets could be could be nearing a short term bottom on an overreaction on this on this news? Brian, it's very difficult calling the time, but I think in this in the course of this year, we are going to see a sort of bottom and the world readjusting or adjusting to a Russia living with sanctions to to uh, uh, jostling for position along the NATO-Russian border. Uh, and, and that's just going to be part of what really is something Vladimir Putin has been calling out for many years, the establishment of a multipolar world or a new world order uh, where it is not as clear and simple as it was after the Second World War. And I think investors, business people, we all need to live with this. My concern here is the impact on energy markets and what that will do to uh, not only inflation, but what that will do to, to uh, disrupt ordinary business around the world. Yeah, and, and Hendrik, I guess the confusion that I've got is that there's two ways to look at this when it comes to, to U.S. Federal Reserve or ECB or Bank of England policy, which is, number one, concern about potential slowdowns could reduce their desire to raise rates as aggressively. Or, to your point, I think, this, this increase in commodity prices could force their hand to become more aggressive, even at a time when parts of the world become on edge? How would you see it? Yes, and I, I, I think this is a moment where we shouldn't be overly obsessed by near-term asset prices. Uh, if we were policymakers, what we should address, the longer-term fundamentals and uh, allowing either bubbles to build up or too much cheap capital to wash around is not healthy for long-term capital allocation. So I would urge policymakers to remain focused on their task at hand and let the politicians do what they do. We are in a more messy world. But I think the thing that worries me, Brian, is last year we built up a decent consensus around net zero and around how to address the major issue we all face, the existential issue, which is climate change. If we don't keep channels open between East and West and between various governments on that issue, and if we don't keep financial markets and businesses focused on the energy transition, uh, we will have a problem down the line which will ultimately degrade the quality of our portfolios. So I would really, really urge uh, particularly policymakers to maintain open dialogue on those fronts even while there is geopolitical conflict and tension of the sort we see yeah. we saw 
the last few days. Well said. The Russian economy, relatively small globally, but maybe punching above its weight in things like commodity markets, inflation, climate change concerns. Hendrik Dutoy of 91. Hendrik, it's a pleasure to have you on Worldwide Exchange. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you. All right. Now let's get to the very latest on the situation around Ukraine. Russian President Vladimir Putin ordering what he is calling peacekeeping troops into the two regions in the eastern part of that nation. After Ukraine announcing that he would recognize rather he would recognize their independence. The move raising fears that Russia is paving the way for an all out attack. In response to that move, President Biden signing an executive order imposing sanctions targeting those Ukrainian regions, Luhansk and Donetsk prohibiting new investment, trade, and financing from anyone in the U.S. to those areas. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken is set to meet with Ukraine's foreign minister today at the State Department. In the meantime, the U.N. Security Council holding a rare nighttime emergency meeting yesterday following a request from the U.S., Ukraine, and several other nations. NBC's Matt Bradley joining us now from Kharkiv, Ukraine. Uh, Matt, it's a little bit fluid on this side. Obviously, it's very early here in the States. I think news organizations are a little bit nervous to come out and call this a full-on, quote, invasion. A UK health minister did reference and use that word. What exactly do we know about both maybe the location and aggressiveness of Russian troops maybe coming in to Ukraine right now? Yeah, well, these peacekeepers, Brian, if that's what we uh, that's what you know, Vladimir Putin has called them. It's unclear kind of what they're going to be doing, where they're going to be going. And that's all really crucial, as you mentioned, to determining what we're going to call this, whether we call this an invasion, an incursion. Uh, that's all really up in the air, because when I speak with Ukrainians, one thing they constantly mention is that this country has been at war for eight years with the separatist movement in the east. And it's the eastern part of the country, those separatist enclaves, where Vladimir Putin has said he's going to be sending those quote-unquote peacekeepers. So, again, it's a tough one, as you mentioned. Is he just moving in soldiers into a place where he's already been at war, where Russian soldiers have already been fighting? Now, you know, Vladimir Putin has admitted in the past that Russian military uh, personnel have gone into the eastern part of the country before. So it's kind of unclear whether or not that constitutes an invasion or a fresh invasion because they've already been there. 14,000 Ukrainians have died in this conflict since 2014. So again, it's a really, really tough, uh, narrow distinction to be made between an invasion or just beefing up uh, troops that are already there. Brian? Yeah, and, the, and the, 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 Matt, the global markets are reacting maybe as if it were an invasion, but we'll have to see how this plays out in coming hours, days, and weeks. Uh, stay safe, Matt. Thank you very much. Do appreciate it. All right, we obviously, folks, have a very busy hour still ahead covering all the angles of this growing geopolitical crisis. And when we come back, energy prices obviously higher on fears of possible supply disruptions, more sanctions. And we will dive into what, if any, steps Western leaders can take to ease oil and gas's continued climb higher. Plus, Elon Moy is live in Washington with a breakdown of the sanctions being issued so far by President Biden. And Jimmy Petakoukas is here to lay out what steps the White House can still take to put any pressure on Russia, if any. We've got a very busy hour. Stock futures down 1%. Oil's on the rise higher. And we are back right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? 
Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. All right, welcome or welcome back and good Tuesday morning. If you're just waking up or joining us now, Russia has moved troops into eastern portions of Ukraine. Markets are reacting to that news, stock futures, they are down. Dow futures off just under 1%, about 200 points. NASDAQ futures off more than 1%. However, I will say this, one point overnight, Dow futures were down nearly 500. So the markets have actually come well off their futures lows. In fact, maybe not quite by half, but close. And you can see on a fair value basis, a little bit in the green. Just a reminder that in March of 2014, Russia sent troops into the Crimean region, of Ukraine as well. Shortly after the Sochi Olympics, markets initially reacted, then rebounded and continue to rise. We're going to have to wait and see what happens here. Futures are down, but not nearly as much as they had been. Some of the stocks that are moving right now on the downside, you got Salesforce, Nike, Microsoft, Merck, Travelers, all lower. And the S&P 500, it is kind of an odd batch of names. Signature Bank, Teledyne Tech, Lindy and Moderna. Moderna, we understand. The others a little bit odd. Energy prices, they are rising, though, as you might imagine. New concerns about potential supply disruptions. Russia, one of the world's largest crude exporters, much the pipelines for natural gas run through Ukraine. And we are seeing oil prices at their highest level since September of 2014. The United States and its European allies are ready to announce more sanctions against Russia today. But many analysts say it is unlikely they will impose oil and or natural gas sanctions, even if Russia goes further into Ukraine, because that would simply inflict more pain on themselves. Remember, Germany, extremely reliant on Russian natural gas. The U.S., we import a minuscule amount of Russian gas or oil. But remember, it is a global market. So you take it off the market somewhere over here. You've got to replace it over there. And oil prices back above 95 here and above 98 in Europe. Let's talk more now about this with Richard Bronze, co-founder and head of geopolitics at Energy Aspects. Richard, it's great to have you on and your worldview. Uh, we're already seeing the global commodity markets rise. They have been for days and weeks. They're on the rise now. Is this the, uh, quote, correct reaction by global energy markets? Well, I think the two things to bear in mind you've kind of touched on. One is that both crude oil and European gas markets were already very tight before this crisis started. So we're a lot more sensitive to geopolitical risk than we would be in a well-supplied or an oversupplied market. Second thing is, as you picked up in the opener, you know, we don't think you're going to see direct sanctions targeting Russian energy exports, and we don't think Russia's going to 
deliberately halt those energy exports. So a bit of an upward move makes sense, but also the fact it's not a huge upward move, given I think those direct risks remain low, even if this crisis and the military side of it escalates further from the events we've seen overnight. We have seen natural gas flows get turned down a bit, it appears, through the Yamal and other major pipelines. But to your point, Richard, it doesn't appear that Russia, which you know, whose economy is smaller than Italy or Canada and is really a petrodollar state, can afford to lose the revenue from natural gas, oil, and some of its other commodities. Canada, I mean, they don't have economic leverage of any kind. That's it. I think when you talk about Russian energy flowing into Europe in particular, you've got this mutual dependence. Russia has built up big uh, foreign reserves. It's moved most of those out of dollars into other currencies. It's got buffers in its wealth fund. But those have been built up because of energy prices, and it can ill afford a long period of much lower energy exports, and it can't divert all of the gas and oil that it sells into Europe into other markets, be it China or elsewhere. So I think that dependence works both ways, and it means energy markets have to try and follow this political and military situation, but they also need to keep in context that the most extreme scenarios of disruption are very unlikely even now. Germany is the most reliant nation on Russian natural gas. Their supplies and inventories are already maybe not at record lows, but close to it. I think storage is under 5% maybe of where it should be. Germany has been pretty silent on this entire situation. What role do they play and what reaction do you think the world will ultimately have to this, this move into the eastern Ukrainian regions by Russia. Is there anything the world can do or do we have to just let it play out and commodity markets are going to do what they do? I think the West is trying to uh, assemble a united response. It will try and impose pretty harsh penalties. We'll get more out of the US. I think the UK is going to announce some sanctions today. The Europeans will maybe take a little bit longer. And the likelihood is they're going to hold some of the most serious options potentially financial restrictions, restriction on technology exports that would be damaging to the Russian economy. They'll hold those for a response to further military escalation. I think you do get certain countries in Europe, not only Germany, you know, Italy, uh, the Prime Minister came out earlier over the weekend, said we don't want energy to be part of any sanctions package. So there are clearly disagreements. The Russians are aware of those disagreements, but I think there is also a recognition amongst NATO members of the need to send a strong message to uh, Russia to try and limit um, and to try and at least impose penalties for the escalation that we're seeing and the potential escalation ahead. And if Putin's goal is ultimately to push forward the approval by German regulators of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, one wonders if it would set this back because to do it now would look like they are caving the Russian military pressure. Richard Bronze uh, of Energy Aspects. Appreciate your views, Richard. Thank you very much. Have a good day. All right, coming up here on CNBC, much more on the growing crisis in and around the Ukraine. But that is not all that is going on with the markets and your money. Remember, we also have a very busy week ahead for retail earnings high on investor radar. We're going to preview some of the numbers and who may be best positioned around the growing threat of inflation. Futures down. Oil up, and we're back right after this.
At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right, welcome or welcome back. We are seeing stock futures down on this move by Russian troops into eastern portions of Ukraine. Dow futures off 140, NASDAQ futures off about the same, although higher, obviously, on a percentage basis. But we will add this, that Dow futures at one point overnight were down nearly 500. So markets, while lower and indicated to open lower, are well off their lows. Really, they're selling across the board in everything except for bonds. We are seeing bonds getting bought and their yields coming down. Even the cryptocurrencies are all down across the board of the major ones. Bitcoin, it is back below 38,000. You can see that we are seeing XRP, Ether down as well. All right, much more ahead in the growing crisis around Ukraine and Russian troops moving into Donetsk and Luhansk. This is the Biden administration weighs its options to hit Russia harder on the heels of Vladimir Putin's order for those troops to be on the move. Elon Moy joining us standing by with what steps the White House might take. Worldwide Exchange returns in just one moment. Global markets facing steep selling on the growing and quickly developing crisis in the eastern portion of Ukraine. Oil and gas prices, they are higher on that news. Stock futures, they are in the red. Western leaders condemning Vladimir Putin over his order. Russian troops to enter two regions in the eastern portion of Ukraine. Some signs point to an even larger invasion by Moscow. President Biden ordering new economic sanctions on Russia. But will they work? Lon Moy is live in Washington with the next steps the Biden administration may take to try to slow down Russia's moves. It is Tuesday, February 22nd. This is Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Right, welcome or welcome back, everybody, and good Tuesday morning. I am Brian Sullivan. It is a very, very busy news day with a lot of fast and fluid news, particularly around the Russia situation. Right now, though, here's how your money and markets are looking, and we are seeing stock futures in the red. However, while they are down triple digits, Dow futures off under 1%, NASDAQ futures up a little more than 1%, they are well off their lows. At one point overnight, Dow futures were down nearly 500 points. So we are seeing actually a reduction of the weakness, still in the red, but not nearly as low as they were. Also, keep in mind that we are coming into this new week already on weakness. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down seven of the past eight days. Technology stocks have been selling off coming into this more on the inflation story than on the Russia story. So weakness on top of weakness. Now, JP Morgan out with a new note just hours ago. Their strategist, Dubrovko Lukas Buhas, out with a new note saying this morning, quote, Russia-Ukraine tension is a low earnings risk for U.S. corporates, meaning stocks, but an energy price shock amidst an aggressive central bank pivot focused on inflation could further dampen investor sentiment and growth outlook. Continues that U.S. companies themselves have low direct exposure 
But that indirect risk could include things like slower global growth and consumer spending due to higher oil and food prices, as well as negative second-order impacts through Europe, supply chain disruptions, credit and asset write-downs, as well as cybersecurity risks. He really goes on to add that the Federal Reserve and tightening monetary policy is still the larger risk for equities right now. That a new J.P. Morgan Chase note. Now, obviously, energy, a huge part of this Russia story. Right now, oil and gas prices, they are on the move. Oil, it is up big, more than a four and a half bucks a barrel to more than $95. Patrick DeHaan of Gas Buddy just tweeting at the show moments ago, saying that nationwide, the price of gasoline should be around $3.70 now and will likely go above four bucks. We know if you're up early, or I should say up late, out west or watching late in Hawaii, you're already paying well more than that. But this could mean more than five and a half or maybe even close to six dollar a gallon gas in certain already more expensive parts of the United States. Thank you, Patrick. All right. And since we are talking about Russia's impact on the U.S. so much, what about Russia's impact on itself and its own markets? Well, it has been dramatic, to say the least. The Russian stock market absolutely tanking the last two days. The MOEX index, which is an index of the top 50 companies in Russia, along with their better-known RTS index, both posting some of their largest drops, not only since the 2014 invasion into Crimea, but also the global financial crisis. We have seen the MOEX drop 16% in just two days. It is down more than 40% in a matter of weeks. But I want you to think about the move the last two days. That MOEX index down 15%, effectively equivalent to the Dow falling 5,000 points in just two days. Incredible. Now, the Russia strain also causing another spike in the price of some key commodities, not just oil and gas. We'll hit more on those coming up a bit later in your RBI. Either way, the moves, they have been dramatic. So let's talk about the political side of this situation. Russian President Vladimir Putin ordering what he calls peacekeeping troops into two eastern regions of the nation after announcing that they would recognize those regions, Donetsk and Luhansk's independence. In response to that move, President Biden signing an executive order targeting those Ukrainian regions. Lon Moy joining us now from Washington with what we know, along what kinds of sanctions are being hit, what kind of sanctions are being ramped up. Well, Brian, the United Nations held an emergency Security Council meeting last night to implore Russia to stand down and to reaffirm their support for Ukraine. Now, Ukraine requested that meeting and its ambassador to the U.N. said they will pursue a diplomatic solution as long as they are breathing. We are committed to a peaceful and diplomatic path and we will stay firmly on it. We are on our land. We are not afraid of anything or anyone. We owe nothing to anyone. And we will not give away anything to anyone. There should be no doubts whatsoever. These calls have grown increasingly urgent after Russian President Vladimir Putin gave that televised speech yesterday that the White House says was an attempt to justify an invasion. Now, Russia officially recognized those two breakaway regions of Ukraine, 
Putin ordering peacekeeping troops into the area, as he called them. The White House responded with that executive order prohibiting trade, investment or finance in the region and authorizing sanctions against anyone who violates the ban. In this tweet, President Biden said he is denying Russia the chance to profit from its blatant violations of international law and closely consulting with allies and partners on the next steps. Indeed, the president was working the phones yesterday. He spoke with the president of Ukraine for roughly half an hour. He also called French President Emmanuel Macron and German Chancellor Olaf Scholz. Now, the U.S. and its allies have aimed to show a united front throughout this escalation of tensions. Brian, a White House official, says additional measures to turn up the pressure on Russia will be announced today. Back over to you. All right, Lon, a lot of questions. Are these swift and severe sanctions that Biden been threatening if Russia invades Ukraine? Are these ones that we know? Are these new? And do any of these have anything to do with oil or gas? So the administration has been very clear that the moves that they announced yesterday are specifically in response to Putin's speech and his recognition of those two breakaway regions. This is not the full-fledged package of sanctions that the administration has promised to impose if Russia were to further invade Ukraine. That has left the administration open to criticism of, if not now, then when. There are Russian troops that will be moving into Ukraine. And certainly, at least here at home, Republicans have been... Uh, criticizing the president for not taking action sooner. So this also raises the issue of what constitutes an invasion of Ukraine. The administration says that troops have been in the Donbass region for at least eight years. This is just a more overt uh, movement of troops. This is just more official. Uh, but certainly the administration facing a challenge there and sort of calibrating the response to Russia's moves. Yeah, mentioning some very important points that this has been a region where fighting has occurred. More than 14,000 Ukrainians have died in the fighting over the last eight or so years. Alon, some important historical context. Alon Moy, thank you very much. All right, let's now bring in a new voice into this, which is Jimmy Petakoukas, the American Enterprise Institute, and talk more about the White House, D.C., and its response. Jimmy, it's welcome. Uh, you, you put out a tweet the other day. I'm going to paraphrase this as well, but I think it it rang true. We've got uh, Russia reasserting its aggressiveness. We have a, a president with fairly low or unpopular approval ratings. Inflation is rampant. It does feel kind of like the late 1970s all over again. What's going to happen in Washington? Of course, that, that's what Republicans have wanted people to believe that, you know, Joe Biden was another Jimmy Carter and it's and uh, it's, you know, it's 1979. Uh, but that political point I think it's, as you point out, it's really resonating a lot more. And I think Biden is like the last thing the Biden agenda needs. I mean, it was already on fumes. Uh, the Build Back Better agenda looking, you know, I think highly unlikely at this point. This makes it worse. This is going to consume Washington. Washington will be talking about sanctions. It's going to be talking about ramping up defense spending. I mean, Joe Manchin before thought Build Back Better wasn't a priority. It looks like less of a priority now. And you mentioned those approval ratings by Joe Biden. Uh, they're around 40 percent. Uh, that's low. And if I think if I were the American president, I would not want a 40 percent approval rating uh, when there's a foreign policy crisis and you're heading right into the teeth uh, of a Fed tightening cycle. But there's a lot of understanding by the president around Ukraine because he dealt with them in 2014. He was vice president. They came in. They annexed Crimea. 
He was effectively sort of an attache to the Ukrainian region. There is a deep personal history. He tweeted during his campaign that, you know, you, you don't want to vote for anybody but Biden because he's the one that will go, quote, toe to toe, I think was his term, with Vladimir Putin. Well, now Vladimir Putin is testing President Biden. But, Jimmy, I got to imagine there's only so far he can go because most Americans are probably and rightfully struggling to understand what is the American connection to Ukraine? We don't rely on anything from them except for some small commodity exports. What is our role around Ukraine? I think that's going to be a hard sell to the American people. I think it's for that exact point, Brian, that when we have the State of the Union address coming up, boy, I'd be surprised if he let off with a big, hard foreign policy. And listen, if things completely go south, you know, this can change. But I think you're right. The number one thing people are worried about is inflation. For most people, they a lot of people have never seen inflation. You have to get into the uh, early Gen Xers and baby boomers who have seen inflation this high and makes the economy look unstable. And uh, I remember, and listen, you know, G, you know, Jim Cramer was on Twitter uh, talking about like, you know, what does any of this have to do with the price earnings multiple? of Bristol Myers. That's kind of the, the investing version, yet we see the market. Zero. And the answer is nothing. No. Yeah. I, I, I think the only I, I mean, there's, the, a, there's, a, there's a commodity, Jimmy, there's a commodity inflation aspect to that. I'm going to hit a little more on at the end of the show in the RBI. It's not just about oil and gas, but you are correct. For most American companies, the Ukrainian economy, I think, is the size of Delaware. Their GDP is $130 billion. The Russian economy is smaller than Canada, Italy, or South Korea. No disrespect to those countries, but in some way, could this be a welcome distraction from the inflationary news cycle, Jimmy? Now the president, if I'm the president's people, I'm going to say you now can blame hot, nearly $100, probably soon to be $100 oil prices on Russia. You don't have to necessarily blame them on something. You've got an out and maybe a welcome break from this constant news cycle about problems at the border, about problems with inflation, about problems maybe in getting the Build Back Better plan done. Well, I, I don't think Jimmy Carter looked at the invasion of Afghanistan as a welcome diversion from the inflation and stagflation story at home. And the only other point I would make as a little bit of pushback to the, hey, you know, what do we care about what's going on over there? If you look at historical price earnings multiples, uh, they rarely got uh, above 18 or so. This is Robert Schiller's work during the Cold War. Cold War is over. U.S. US is the top of the global pecking order. Uh, we've rarely seen P.E. ratios below 18. What's it like now? Like in the mid-20s? I would just throw that out there, and you're, if you're wondering, like, what does this matter? If you're talking yeah. about a multipolar world order that looks a lot chaotic, I think there's a broader yeah. market economic impact. We're going we're to find out. I just wonder if there's anybody out there saying, you know what, I'm not going to Disney World now because Russia has moved troops into two parts of eastern Ukraine that oh, I've no. never heard of before then. No, but there is a commodity market impact outside of oil and gas. We'll get to that at the RBI in a bit. Jimmy P., always love and appreciate your views. Jimmy, thank you very much. We'll be right back. Futures, they're not positive, folks, but they are well off their lows as oil stays above 95. We're back right after this. But there's a lot more going on. All right, welcome back. We are seeing futures turn not positive on an absolute basis, on a fair value basis, however, 
The S&P 500 Dow and NASDAQ futures are all in the green. NASDAQ futures off now just under 100 points on an overall basis. A couple of hours ago, when we got up for the show, Dow futures were down nearly 500. The market's coming in, Dow down seven of the past eight days. Obviously, been a very difficult year for investors in technology. A lot of weakness there, and we saw weakness overnight. But again, right now, futures positive on a fair value basis. Quite the turn. Perhaps some of the Fed aggressiveness is being rethought on the interest rate side. We'll have to find out. All right. Well, obviously, the Ukraine news is what is dominating the headlines in your markets. But that is not all that is going on. We've also got to remember there are many other things that are important to investors, specifically earnings. And many big retail earnings are out this week, including some heavy hitters like Home Depot and Lowe's. Those reports will shed more light on how inflation and maybe higher rates are impacting the consumer. Let's bring in Michael Lasser, retail analyst at UBS. Michael, thanks for joining us. Uh, you might have just heard my prior comment to Jimmy Pethokoukas saying, will people say, well, I'm not going to go to Disney World because of what's happening? I wonder if it's the same thing. You know what? We were going to put a new deck on our house, but now we're going to put that down because I'm waiting to see how the Donetsk situation plays out. I don't think any American is going to see, say this. Do you think there'll be any hit to your sector because of what is going on half a world away? I think the consumer generally spends to their level of income. And as long as the labor market remains strong, that'll influence the health of the consumer. However, the overall inflationary environment, as you rightfully pointed out, is front and center for many consumers. They're having to spend more money to have the same level of consumption. And as long as that continues and inflation is running hotter than it has historically, then that is going to impact the consumer. That's going to be uh, top of mind for these retail companies as we get into the heart of retail reporting season. Yeah, and I know, listen, with all due respect to the earnings that are coming out, I think, Michael, you would have to agree that the guidance, what you are going to hear on these calls for what's going to happen is going to be much more important because since these companies closed the books on, on December 31st, the price of oil and gas has surged. The price of lumber has taken off once again, like it did earlier last year. There's actually much more inflation on the input side, even five and six weeks later than there was when this past quarter for these earnings ended. It is truly maybe not a new world, Michael, but certainly maybe a less certain world on the inflation side. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that, Brian. And I agree with the idea that the outlooks will be more important than the actual results, given the level of uncertainty that these companies are facing right now. And generally speaking, these companies have taken an optimistic view on um, the year ahead. Part of the reason for their optimism is that they sell goods in nominal dollars. And so to the extent that inflation is occurring, that's helping their sales results. And that's part of the reason why they're expecting this year to be pretty healthy, despite the fact that they're going to be lapping a ton of stimulus from last year. There will be a transition from the consumption of goods to the consumption of services. And there is all this uncertainty in the environment. Yeah. But the good, well-positioned retailers are doing well, and they're reflecting that thus far in their outlooks for the year ahead. Yep. Very briefly, uh, Michael, you still bullish on Home Depot and Lowe's? We are. We are. We think housing as a asset class will be a place where the consumer continues to want to invest. And the work from home culture that we're living in right now has done nothing but 
further enforce that idea. So we like Home Depot and Lowe's. They're a great play on that trend over the long run. They're going to experience some volatility uh, in in their trends, but we like it over the long run, right? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Like Home Depot and Lowe's, the earnings coming out, they'll matter, but guidance matters more. Michael Lasser, really appreciate your views. Thank you very much. All right. On deck here on Worldwide Exchange, Jeff Kilberg is here. He'll lay out how to navigate your portfolio around this ramp up in geopolitical tensions, rising energy, rising overall inflation, and a Fed beginning a tightening cycle. A lot to talk about with the killer. Jeff Kilberg coming up. And just a general reminder, if you haven't already, follow our podcast. Futures, they're almost in the green. We are back right after this. All right, welcome or welcome back. No time for the RBI today. Too much going on. We'll bring it on tomorrow. But look at futures. They are actually in the green, not only on a fair value basis, but also on an absolute basis. Let's bring in Jeff Kilberg, Sanctuary Wealth CIO as well, CNBC contributor. Jeff, uh, we woke up for the show, started the show. Futures are down 500. They're effectively flat in the green right now. What kind of market sentiment is, and I hate to use this term, because the market will determine the correct market sentiment right now. Well, Sully, you're certainly seeing a knee-jerk reaction uh, with the invasion or the move of troops into these new provinces. But right now, you're look at the VIX. If you look at the VIX, it's actually down overnight, dipped under 28. We also saw the 10-year note, which about five hours ago, went down to its lowest yield a day of 1.84%. Now it's back above 1.91. So saying that maybe some investors have priced all this in, I think this is going to be a slower baking drama than we initially anticipated. But right now, it's really interesting to see, for the first time, the S&P 500 move positive. And this is after being 10% lower from its all-time highs. But, but yeah, again, to, to, to Jim Cramer's point and others' point, the one we just tried to make with Michael Lasser, the retail analyst, I mean, uh, you know, honey, we're not putting a deck on the house uh, because Putin has gotten more aggressive with the Donetsk region. Nobody is going to say that. This is a geopolitical story. There are implications in oil and gas and some other commodities like nickel and corn and wheat. But overall, uh, those are just going to be marginal to the inflation story, right, Jeff? This is an economy that's facing a lot more than Putin's ambitions in the far eastern region of Ukraine. Yeah, and maybe this is random but important, Sully, but what's interesting is the current backdrop. Look at the backdrop we're seeing food prices. They've climbed to the highest point they've been in over a decade. So when you talk about inflationary pressures or another leg higher, yes, we know that Russia is the world's largest wheat supplier. Nonetheless, we are going to be impacted country by country. So country specific, look at Egypt, look at Turkey, the very dependent. Here in the United States, we're the second largest producer of wheat. Therefore, we actually ship, we export about 50% of our wheat production, thanks to our awesome farmers here in the United States. But I think it is impactful. But we have wheat independence. You talk about metals, that's where I think it could be impactful. It's kind of a one-two punch, Sully. We're seeing the adoption of electronic vehicles. You're seeing the batteries that we make. Typically, we make the batteries, at least the production, are those higher nickel capacities. So, yeah, Russia controls about 7% of the nickel global production. So I am concerned about that. But I'm looking at a way to possibly obtain this next leg higher, not just in food inflation, but overall commodities. Look at GSG. It's up about 16% year to date. That's obviously in contrast to the S&P 500, now down about 9%. So that 25% difference, we've actually owned 
GSG in our sanctuary tactical portfolio for quite some time because it allows you to participate in this inflation, which is feeling good for no one. Sitting here in Chicago, it's tangible how it's inflationary pressure. And that's really what's interesting. You brought it up earlier. The Federal Reserve has to really walk back some of their hawkish. Maybe they are chicken hawk, silly. They walk back some of their hawkish because of this uncertainty. Maybe the 10-year note can really be digested. The markets can move higher. Could be a tough time. Could be a tough time to be an automaker. Nickel, steel, aluminum, the, the electric vehicle batteries that goes into steel. Also, tires, oil and gas prices are higher. I mean, if you're an automaker, you're going to be getting hit on all sides in an overall inflationary environment. Jeff Kilberg of Sanctuary Wealth GSG is one that we are watching, folks. We wish we had about three more hours of the show, but we will be back tomorrow. Don't worry. Squawk and the gang are going to pick up the coverage next. We're leaving you with stock futures that are flat, if not higher, oil above 95. Busy day in the street of dreams. Have a great one. We'll see you tomorrow. Take care. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.